Who are you? What do you want to do? What are you passionate about? My chat with Ghazi has inspired me to personally reflect on my identity as an athlete and an activist. When at the end of one journey, another is always beginning. Always follow your heart and passions, and you will discover things you never thought you could do. To all the girls who are unsure of how athletics connects to them, always follow your heart and your passions. Half time, halfway. We're going to hear all about discrimination and stigmatization in the sports industry. But not just from me. We're bringing in the experts, pro athletes, coaches, journalists, and so many more to tell you about their story. It's time to crank up those stadium lights and shine them on the extra challenges that women in sports have to overcome every day. Welcome back to episode 5 of Halftime, Halfway. This week, I have the privilege of interviewing one of my personal inspirations, who has taught me a lot about mindset, persistence, discovering the athlete within myself, but has also shared podcast tips with me. Harvard graduate and track and field athlete Ghazi Musa is also the founder and host of a platform and a podcast called Aesthetics and Athletics. Make sure to check it out on Instagram at aesthetics underscore athletics. They've got workouts, live streams, podcasts, beautiful aesthetics, of course, and everything about athletics. Anyways, today, Gazi and I will be talking about her journey in track and field and Harvard, finding new connections to sports, as well as women empowerment, obviously. Warm welcome to Gazi Musa. Here is our interview. Can you tell me about your story and what your journey was like to becoming like a Harvard track athlete and where'd your love for track start? Yeah, so my love for track started when I was nine years old. Um, I ran my first race in the Hershey Field track meet, um, and I won by a nose, and that's where my love for track started. I played club soccer for eight years um, and did it pretty seriously every week, traveled um, to a different place, but I stopped soccer and ran track because I wanted to try something different and do an individual sport, and I always wanted to go to Harvard when I was younger, since I was five, actually even before I knew what Harvard was, to be honest. But um, I moved halfway through high school, um, Wisconsin, to uh, Seattle, and I was able to, my track career really was able to take off because I had a really good um, high school coach that's one of the best um, coaches in the, in the country um, for track and field and for high school but also pro. And uh, I was able to train with him and just get my speed up and get my confidence up and ran fast times and was able to apply for Harvard and – the only thing that was holding me back at that time was my ACT score. So I went to all-girls private school for four years and super competitive school, but I had major test anxiety, and that's something I had to work through with mindset. Ended up taking the ACT four times. Um, my score increased by five points in the last time, and I was able to get green-lighted on everything and be able to apply and be accepted. So it was, like, all very much so... Um, it wasn't all smooth sailing for me. Oh, that's that's very inspirational that you kept trying. And also, I totally get that because standardized testing is also not my specialty. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in track and field, my friends and I have received quite a few comments from guys telling us that throwing is not real for girls because our weights are lighter. Or I've been asked to prove myself as a basketball player and a football fan with the classic comments like, name five other players besides Tom Brady and the Patriots. Have you ever received disrespectful comments or rude remarks, and how did you deal with them? 
Um, so the biggest rude remark that I received, even in high school, was you only got into Harvard because you're black or you only got into Harvard because you're athletic. And those things, in some ways, it's like you always feel like you have to prove yourself or you can never get something because you're working hard at it. People always have to quantify mm-hmm. and qualify why you got it. And what, how I learned to deal with that is all, it's all about mindset and what I think about myself and what, for me, spiritually, what God about me. I have a really big faith background, and I think you can't look to other people for validation and for acceptance on what you're doing because well, you never know. People could have if people could be like could be insecure, people could be jealous. You just kind of have to to God and look and looking yourself and be like, I got this because I worked hard, and like knowing it yourself is what is key. Because if you try to look to other people to validate it, people never, no one's gonna ever be able to validate the hard work yourself so like just remembering that I think it has been huge for me but also just realizing that like you're always going to face an obstacle there's always going to be people that don't like you people that want to diminish what you've done but you can't like you can invite them to the table but don't give them the time of place or mind over you to influence how you go about doing things that that makes a lot of sense and I'm sorry that you had to deal with those comments like that's that's really great advice I think it's terrible that people were trying to devalue your accomplishments in any way, and I'm, I'm really sorry you had to deal with that. Um, do you have an athletic icon or inspiration, and is there someone that you look up to as an athlete? That's a really good question. So, I would say someone that I look up to as an athlete, female or male? Um, let's go with female. Okay, so I've always, when I, even when I was younger, I always, and specifically in soccer, it was Leslie Osborne, who was a soccer player who played on the U.S. women's team, but she also used to play for the club that I played for, and I remember going oh, to her wow. camp just being so inspired about how she went about playing her sport, but also empowering women, um, and she has always been someone in my life like that I've watched from far, afar and been like, wow, Leslie's doing a lot. Like She not only was doing things within soccer, but out of soccer in her career and how she like made that switch from the a field to like a corporate America in some ways and media and entertainment. And then in terms of track, someone who I've always looked at is Sonia Richard Ross. She is someone uh, that I've always looked up to in some ways because I met her when I was nine years old um, at Hershey Track and Field meet and she signed something for me. And I just remember following her career and the biggest thing about her career is, like, she has, there's just so much history and so many things that she had to go through in order to get where she was, and even though I wasn't, like, a 400 runner and I was a short sprinter, I just was always so inspired by her and how she led her life, and, like, even, like, she talks about this in an interview, like, the idea of what she had to give up in order to be who she was and to run track was something that she really struggled with but she ended up conquering because she was able to like make those sacrifices and even in her last race just just her whole career was just super inspiring and she's someone that I've always looked up to that's amazing I'm curious now who's the who's your male inspiration then yeah so I actually uh it's funny I love the Seahawks like I'm a big (laughs) Seahawks fan I would say I look up to, probably look up to Russell Wilson because of the way in which he's led his career, being the highest paying NFL player, but also being a man of God and also having his head on straight. Like, I feel like Russell's mindset and how he approaches things and how he goes about doing things, whether it's a win or a loss, 
he just has a really like great mindset on life and a mindset on sport. But then also, I feel like he's just an upright guy and like super cool. And so, I think he's someone that I'm that I look up to in the field of sports, and especially when you look at male sports. I totally agree. Yeah, for sure. Russell's pretty great. I absolutely love his playing style and his family. Um, my next question is a little bit more serious. Um, I think that the pay gap is outrageously disrespectful, you know, with the NBA players making exponentially more than WNBA players, and especially the women's national soccer team situation. What's your opinion on the topic of pay gaps, and how do you believe we can fix this? I read this quote from Super the other day on this, and I think it sums up the feeling of what does this pay gap look like. Let me summarize. She said something about how we're not asking to be paid more than male, male athletes. We're just asking for a seat at the table and equality at that table. The big argument is that men and women are, like, biologically different. Therefore, that's what a lot of people are trying to say is the reason why there's a differentiation in pay gap. But realistically, for the for the hype that all these teams are getting, especially when you look at the U.S. women's, team, women's soccer team, mm-hmm. people that are actually achieving at higher rates than their male counterparts, like... I don't care about anatomy. I don't care about biology. If they are producing results at a higher rate than their male counterparts, there is no reason why they should be paying be paying less just because of their gender. Like, I honestly think it should be a Title IX violation in itself. And when you look at it, there's so many women. Women make, I don't remember how many cents it is to the dollar of a man, but, like, that in itself is inequality. And why just because of the way of the body you are born into in terms of, like, your gender, why does that make a difference on how much you should be paid in life and how much you should achieve in life. Because about it, there's so many women that have the mastermind brains and have the not only compassion but also have the independence and girl boss attitude to get things done. But if you look at big industries, the ones that are running the game are men because it's this superiority complex that they want to be in control and have always been in control. But just because you're sharing the pie doesn't necessarily mean you're losing your whole piece. Like, it needs to be, everyone needs to have a seat at the table, and everyone needs to be able to share their pie. That was, that was very well put, honestly. I totally agree with all of that, and yeah, some women are achieving way more than their male counterparts, yet people still talk about how results are the issue. Like, that's not excusable, and I feel like last year when the U.S. women's soccer team didn't have the support of the Federation, like, I feel like we've made progress, but it's not enough. Like, basing pay on anatomy, that's just wrong. Yeah, we always have more work to do. My coach used to say, we have work to do, and it was something we all used to joke about. Yeah, LOL, we have work to do, but it uh, it applies so well into what's going on with the current climate, but, like, it's, it's a job that everyone, everyone has to do the work. Even women have to do the work. We're going to continue to have to do the work to advocate for ourselves, but men on the other side also have to do the work to, to advocate for us and help us to advocate. Yes, Definitely. In addition to all of your amazing accomplishments as a track athlete, you also created the podcast Aesthetics and Athletics, where you inspire and empower women athletes. Um, can you tell me how it all started? Yeah, so it started with me kind of asking the question of now what? I'd run. I had a 13-year track career, um, was at the top of my game at the end of my senior year, and then I was going into the workforce, into the corporate world, and I was like, okay. I'm no longer a student athlete, and that has been so such an essential part of my identity for 13 years, but also for the last four years. And I kind of had an identity crisis. Who am I? What do I like to do? What are my passions? Like, people would ask me what my hobbies were, and I was like, I don't even know because I ran track for 13 years. That was my hobby. That was my joy. That was my passion. And so as I was grappling to figure out and understand, like, 
who I was and that one what that meant I really had to dig deep and sit down with a therapist and be like I don't know who I am I need to figure it out and one of the biggest questions is she's like what are you passionate about and I was like well I've always been passionate about women because I went to an all-girls school for four years my mom went to all-girls school my grandma was the principal of all-girls I've always been passionate about women's empowerment and then on the other aspect she's like what else are you passionate about? And I was like, I've always been passionate about sports. I played soccer. I ran track. I've always loved to watch sports, too. And with that, I thought of this idea for aesthetics and athletics two years in 2017. And I thought, oh, I'm too young. I don't have enough knowledge to bring something like this to the table. And I just was like, no, I'm too young. But you're never too young for anything. Yes, you might not have the experience, but that's always can be that can always be learned. So I started aesthetics and athletics, the podcast, in last couple months and it's just really taken off and it's been so cool to see how bringing people to the table and bringing women of diverse backgrounds professionals nutritionists um, mindset coaches all these different people to talk about issues that I think really affect female athletes because as a female athlete and student athlete and a captain I saw so many issues that were affecting my teammates and affecting me but really bringing them to the forefront or talking about them and I felt like that needed to be done and so I want aesthetics and athletics to be a resource for female athletes, girls, and women everywhere to be able to come and, and listen and hear how people are talking about these things, but also addressing these issues and understand that they're not alone in it. Because I think a lot of times as women, we tend to not necessarily open up completely about what's going on in our lives because we're af- afraid that people will think we're weak because we already are on a challenge when we have to feel like, oh, we're athletes. That's not the mainstream thing when you think about beauty and, like, all these different things. If that's not the message that media preaches, being an athlete and gaining muscle and doing all these things is beautiful. But I think as women and as athletes, we need to recognize it is and rewrite that script. Like, rewrite what the world thinks of student athletes or what female athletes as being beautiful and being beautiful and lifting weights, being fun. You're getting strong and you're fueling yourself when you eat. Like, just rewriting how we think about these things in our daily lives can rewrite how we perform and how we go after what were our goals and our dreams in the athletic realm. That's really beautiful. And I can relate to that story because I used to like play basketball. However, like I have a genetic heart condition and then it stopped me. So I needed to find like a different connection to sports. And I feel like this is also a way to like connect me back to one of my passions. Yeah. And 100%. Like, we all have to, in some ways, pivot, but what it, what is interesting about it is you can be an athlete in every stage of your life. If you're a mom, if you don't play sports anymore, if you didn't play sports, like, I say that every person can be an, can be an athlete. Every woman can be an athlete. Like, your athletic ability could be movement in yoga. Your athletic ability could be a peloton or soul cycle. Could be truly just going for a walk and exercise. Like you can be an athlete if you have the mentality of an athlete, which is hard work, determination and perseverance. Um so that's what I would say to that. I really love the message of your podcast and I think it's amazing. Um do you have a favorite episode or interview that you've conducted? Oh, that's a hard one because all of them are really good, and I'm also in the process of putting out one because I took a break for two weeks after everything that's going on in the country and kind of mm-hmm. just trying to pivot and see what that looks like and make sure I'm also amplifying other voices other than my own, like other black voices. Mm-hmm. But I think one that was really, really cool and fun to do, uh, they were, I, they honestly, they all were really fun to do, and uh, that's hard. They're each individually unique in their own ways. Like, Doing Gabby's was so fun because Gabby's has been one of my best friends for the last four years. And, like, we've been on a journey together um, with Harvard Track and Field. But also, and doing different things 
has been really cool to see and like just her idea of deciding like whether she was going to be a college senior or a professional athlete on a given day is such a huge decision that and a unique experience that a lot of people don't go through and then I loved Arike's too because Arike and I have been friends since we were children because we played soccer together and we both pivoted into different sports and her career really took off and she is now a WNBA like basketball player and she's killing the game she has done so much for herself and so much for younger basketball players as an inspiration yeah it's hard but it's so hard because like all of them are really great um and then Maddie like doing Maddie was so fun because Maddie's a senior our master soul cycle instructor and she's had a great crazy experience of just not only being an athlete but then pivoting her career from athletics to soul cycle and showing that you can still be an athlete in that realm like that is in self-athletics because you're talking about determination you're talking about perseverance you're talking about resilience you're on a bike for literally an hour biking as fast as you can like that in itself is athletics and so it's been really fun to even talk to her and continue talking to her about what that looks like that helps with the transition from now like so many student athletes go through that now what question and for her to like take things beyond her bike has is just an amazing thing to look and watch and see but yeah they kind of all are, are really good and i have a couple coming out one with um avo queen who is she made granola an, queen and co girl up granola butter and she struggled with an eating but her story is just amazing and she's an amazing woman and like has done so much but yeah they're all i can't say one's my favorite to the other because i think they're all very different but they're all just so good oh wow <laughs> That's, that sounds so great. It definitely sends a message that needs to be pushed more. Um, do you have any advice for your young girls who want to pursue track and field one day hoping to make it big? Yeah, I would say don't give up. That, because I think one thing that I did, that I potentially could, could have played soccer in, in college because at the time that I was playing, ECNL was a thing. I, would, I was good by colleges. But I gave up on that dream on basis, on the basis of not wanting to work hard, if I'm being honest. Because it got to a point where I couldn't just kick the ball over the defender's head. Like, I had to cut and I had to pass. Like, all things that normal soccer players have to do. But I would say for younger girls to really, like, don't give up, but also change your mindset. Because I wish I would have known this earlier, but I had a very fixed mindset, perfectionist mindset, like, wanted to get from point A to point B in five seconds. And I had to reevaluate and be like, okay, this is not helping, this is making me depressed, it's making me sad because I'm not getting to where I want to go in this time. Like, you have to change it to a growth mindset and trust the process of getting there, but it's going to be hard. It's not It's not going to be hard every step of the way, but you're going to have to work hard to get there. And it's not all going to be the glorification of, like, winning the race or, like, doing whatever. It's, it's going to be hard work. Like, for three years, I got second place to my best friend. And that was hard for me, but it was a learning lesson, and I'm glad I went through it because it taught me to trust the process, but also to win when I win and, and rejoice with her when she rejoiced and, like, make my her successes my successes, but also really to, like, figure out why I love doing the sport. Like, you have to kind of figure out your why because when everything else is out of whack, if you have your why and that's a constant and that's in place, you will be able to stand strong and continue to work hard because you know what your why is. You're working for a greater reason. That's really great advice for athletes, but also for life. Like, that's a great mindset to have. Um, also, do you have any advice for social justice advocates like yourself? I would say you use your sphere of influence because, like, you never really think about it. 
just being able to play a sport, that gives you a, a sphere and that gives you a platform in itself to be able to speak on things that you don't see right or just be able to speak on things where you think the world needs to change. And there's the world is so big and we have so many things that need to change um, in this world. But if you can start in your sphere of influence, start in your community, start on your team, start with your friends, like that's where you see real change happen. Because if we really want to be the change we want to see in the world, we have to start with our inner circles and start with the people around us and make sure that we are talking to them and not necessarily just talking to, to speak or listening to speak, but listening to listen and gain understanding of different perspectives, but then also like bring our perspectives to the table and coming to, and whether it's like you agree to disagree or like change your perspective or someone else changes their perspective, we have to go in with understanding and intention and, and, and love. Um, and choose people. I think that's the biggest thing. It's not about parties. It's not about um, it's not about black people or cops. It's not about like one side or the other. It's about choosing people, choosing human life, and choosing um, what we know is to be right in terms of loving people. Um, so I think that's the biggest thing there. That's absolutely beautiful. So beautiful and very well said. Um, thank you so much for doing this. It means so much to me. Yeah, no problem. Thank you so much for doing this. This is so much fun. And yeah, have a great, great rest of your day. You too. Bye. Bye. I hope you enjoyed our interview on Halftime Halfway. Special thanks to Gazi Musa for joining us and sharing her story. We hope you'll join us next time for another interview with another strong woman in the sports industry. But for now, the game's not over yet, so finish strong. Thank you so much for listening to Halftime Halfway with me, Maddie. Remember to follow or subscribe, and if you have any questions or comments, feel free to visit me on Instagram at halftime underscore halfway.